Welcome to Your Life Choices website's Mind Your Own Retirement. It's the podcast from Your Life Choices, and it's great to have your company today. Uh, Kay Fallick is the publisher. Hello, Kay. Hello, John. We've got a couple of uh, good-looking men uh, who've uh, turned up in the studio today. A couple of blokes. Now, I remember last time we spoke, you said... I said, how's your husband going? He said, oh, look, he's wandering around going, people are saying, am I retired? You're retired, are you? And you go, uh, no, no, I haven't retired. Well, I sort of have. And it's it's been an interesting transition time for your beloved, isn't it? Well, I think the thing is that I am working uh, four days a week and David is working on print magazines two days, but for the first time in 30 years, we're not in the same office. So people think, oh, he must have retired and he yes. hasn't at all. Well, apparently not. No. No. You know, because of obviously the lifestyle you like to keep going, he needs to keep working. <laughs> But we've, that that would all, be impossible. And, but, and yeah. who's the other gentleman coming in? Uh, we have Jeff Patchell, who happens to be related to our webmaster, Drew. How genius he is. And Jeff is a great friend in business and family friend. And he sort of retired about a year ago, but hasn't. You see, this is it, isn't it? I'm sort 68 of. and I've... Have, I, you, have no, you retired? I, no, what are you I'm, doing here? Well, you know, because uh, I love it and also it helps to pay the, you know, the boat fees and everything yes, else. But yes. more than that, I am, and I would be interested to know if David and Jeff feel the same way, I'm doing things that I like to do. No longer do I have to worry about school fees. No longer do I have to worry about the mortgage, thank God. But it's I'm doing things that I want to do. So mm. whether I was working part-time at Bunnings... Mm-hmm. In here with you, causing trouble, or, or you know, at Channel Seven or, or JB, whatever, you know, mm. it's just fun to do. So it's good to do things that I enjoy doing. So let's talk to these guys. And All right, see let's, what's happening. Let's invite the them in right now. Episode. Uh, Jeff Patchell and uh, David Fuller, come on down. Welcome to you, gentlemen. Thanks, Dixie. Now look at these two blokes. So look. <laughs> Together they look like trouble, don't we're they? So, <laughs> so happy to be here. They look like <laughs> yes. naughty schoolboys, John. You're do. standing between us and the sunlight outside. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, David, first of all, where'd you get those pipes, mate? Because honestly, you could be doing my job. You have got the best voice. That's a lovely compliment, Deeksie. I couldn't sail the way you do all the time, though. But hasn't he got, he's got a very, very... He's got a radio gr- voice, He has John. got a yeah. radio voice. Ouch. Well, you see, I haven't got a television face, so I'd have to have a radio voice. Yeah, welcome to my world. Uh, and uh, and to you, sir, we uh, we welcome you. Uh, so tell me about your life prior to, uh, to coming into here. So speak right into that uh, big black microphone. Up until uh, June 30 last year, I was running a family publishing business. It must be Publishers Corner today. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, oh, there's a segment, Publishers <laughs> Corner. <laughs> and I had a management buyout of the, of the business. Yep. And, but I feared, I feared retiring. I was just coming up to 70. And so at the moment I'm still employed a couple of days a week, soft employment back into the business, just in helping it to transfer. But also if I admit it would help me to transfer a little as well, over, over time, I just couldn't, you know, July 1, wake up and 10 o'clock in the morning, get up and say, oh, I think I'm retired, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I, I committed two days a week, which will go on for another six months or so. And um, Are you enjoying that, Jeff, the two days? Uh, yeah, you, you soon discover you, 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 
you're not wanted for so many things around the office that yes. you thought you were. Yes. And that's fine. People are going to grow into those roles, which is, yes. which is good. So you don't want to be a hindrance. And um, But on those other five days a week, uh, I think the fear was with my wife, is he, <laughs> is he going to be hanging around all yeah. that time? Yeah. Well, in fact, I have because... Most daylight hours since then I've spent, which is list, six, six or seven months. Mo- she's given you a list, mate. No, no, a, a, a real makeover of the house. So yeah, I, well, there I, you are. I did all the painting over a long period There's of time. There's only one thing on the list and it's painting. Yeah, really? Yeah, How so bad is complete that? Complete repaint and we, we did a kitchen update and did the whole, the whole thing. So I posed the question when we were talking about this session, Jeff, which is what could possibly go wrong when you get this new uh, life stage of retirement? Isn't it everybody's dream? The world's at your feet, really. You've got, you got so many options. Um, it's a matter of picking winners. <laughs> your your <laughs> life choices. Yeah, that's right. So, Davey, Davey, tell us uh, about you because you have left an office and you're working from home. Um, What are the challenges there? Well, it's all about adapting and and a huge change because you take for granted, I think, if you've worked for decades full-time, as Jeff and I both have, and I suspect the other people around this table have also, um... A lot of what you do is is routine, mechanical. You get into a discipline or a, a regimen or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't sound very sexy, but it certainly um, gives you structure um, and uh, you, you have a fair idea, even when you're running your own business, let alone being an employee, uh, of what you're going to be doing um, this week, next week, probably even further out if you're a planner. And that, of course, all changes when you no longer go to the office, the physical office and I think the important thing is to have a lot of interest in your life Um, as Jeff said uh, the world's your oyster it's at your feet and there's any number of things you can do subject to two huge caveats one is that you've got your health uh, and uh, increasingly I think we all experience the awful activity of going to people's funerals which is sobering particularly if, if they're younger than you. And the other thing, the other major caveat I think you've got to have is you've got to have a lot of serious interests, um, things you're quite passionate about. So I count myself fortunate to have both those. So what about the social aspect? Because for many of us, work's the glue in terms of connecting with other people. And I'm thinking here actually about single retirees. I mean, how hard do you think you've got to work to keep a network going uh, now that you you haven't got everybody sitting there waiting when you get in at eight or nine. Yeah, I've, I've got a few friends who have retired or semi-retired in the last three, four or five years and some of those meet up for a coffee or they've, they've got some, not a regular, but a, a, a golf game or something like that. And uh, I guess until now I've not been able to, uh, to participate in those, but uh, I'm, I'm happy that there's some networks there uh, to do that. So you get your networks in place before you leave work? Is that mm. the trick, mm. do you think? Yeah, although I think, uh, I think I'll think i discover some new ones once, oh. now that I've got more free time and 
And again, it comes back to your hobbies. Now, I don't know about you guys, but at my age, um, my transition through my time at Channel 7, I've had to keep up with technology. And I think if I hadn't have been in that environment, I wouldn't have a clue what to do. But how have you found keeping up with technology? Has it been because you've been in the business? Definitely. And um, Definitely. Uh, how are you moving forward? Because becoming more and more technologically uh, reliant, are you keeping up with it? Time will time will prove the answer to that, John. But right at this moment, what, I have. What to about your Nokia phone you've got here? Is it? Yes, <laughs> yes. Your brick and his, <laughs> and his royal typewriter. <laughs> As we speak, I left our long-term tech man, marvelous guy Steve, at our house. I've shown him how to let himself out <laughs> without without setting the dog or the alarm off. Oh, and okay, his exactly. assistant, Bisco, turned up just before I left. And he and the, the two of them are doing a serious upgrade of my uh, my computer. And who knows, when I get home later, John, it may be possible for my computer to actually speak to the printers in the front study. Wow. And that, that, oh my, that my friend, will be I a technological fighting, breakthrough. I have been fighting printers all night. I hear what you're saying, brother. Oh. So here's the thing. David has a secret weapon. It's, you. it's called Lucy. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Number two daughter. Yeah. One of the things on technology-wise I'm going to have to come up to speed on is we've got 30 or 40 years of family photos and oh. the, the whole routine there and there's stuff on the server at the office still. It's, it's, it's all over the world. And one of my tasks I'm appointing myself to do in the next six or nine months is try and pull it together and um, be a worthwhile project. So, um, that sounds like a noble ambition. I can only wish you well. Too, yeah, good luck with that one, mate. Uh, I think it might be time to bring in a special guest Ooh. who knows a lot about blokes. Who's that? Who do you think it would be, John? Uh, I think it would be our friend from Jeff Shedd. Uh, from, from the, the men's shed? <laughs> Sorry, from Jeff's shed. Uh, <laughs> all over town. Could be. He's everywhere. Could be. Jeff's famous, but David Helmers is more famous. So um, David heads up Men's Sheds yeah, Association. Officer. Yeah. Executive officer. So uh, let's have a chat. Hello, David. Oh, hello. How are you? Welcome to you, sir, the executive officer of the Australian Men's Shed Association. And what a great association it is. I've had personal experience of talking at... Uh, a couple of the men's sheds, and also um, have no people who are involved in it as well. Say hello to Kay. Oh, hi, Kay. How are you? I'm well, David. Thanks for joining us. And I guess the top question is, what do men's sheds do? Um, that's a very broad question and quite complex sometimes to answer. It's not all secret men's business, for starters. Um, oh, blow. No, no goats? Yeah. <laughs> No, no. Um, look, the, the activities of men's sheds are wide and varied. I've seen anything and everything happen in the men's shed. Um, you know, the general thing is woodworking and everything, but really the key point to men's sheds is that they're all about prevention of social isolation, especially in older men. Perfect. So, David, what we haven't shared with you is that we have Jeff and David 
on this podcast and they've both within the last 12 months stepped back from full-time work Mm -hmm. and we're just teasing out the social aspect of retirement really. So um, what can you share some of the common concerns that um, men bring to the group? Social isolation is broad again. So what, what kind of things? Is it people who are widowers or...? Look, generally it's men who are no longer in full-time employment. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often, especially men in, you know, from industrial manufacturing backgrounds, their workplace was very much critical part in their social world as well. So when they're out of work, they are at a higher risk of social isolation. They're not having that interaction with, with their mates at the workplace. And we see it a lot in retirement as well. And I think in, I've been saying for years, I think we do have it a, a bit the wrong way around here in Australia. We plan to retire from work one day, which is great and wonderful, but we never plan what we're going to retire to. Yeah, we're retiring from something, so what are we going to do You know, once we have retired? And a lot of people fail to look at that. Yeah, something very much that uh, David was talking about uh, a bit earlier. Um, Men's Shed have got some extraordinary fellows working in there with amazing skills, David, and the skills that they have is just uh, extraordinary because they're old-time skills. They're mm-hmm. skills that have been honed over over sometimes hundreds of years um, with, with, with some of the things they bring to the group. Um, what advice do you have for men leaving full-time work? And how could they get in touch with their local men's shed? Look, I think as I said before, I think men have got to really look at what they're going to do when they retire. You know, there's only so many times you can drive around in the caravan or paint the house or you've got to be a bit of an activities plan there. And especially for men who aren't in true spots, you know, going to the golf club or playing bowls mm. or anything like that. And they do have skills, as you mentioned um, Men's sheds are kind of a, a big library of knowledge yes, as well. true, true, true. They're keeping a lot of these um, skills alive, I suppose, and passing it on. And you're saying that too, we have a lot of professional men in sheds here. Quite often we'll find a bloke who's worked on a production line in a factory his whole life, and his best mate in the shed's a retired barrister. Oh, um, so, yeah, we have this saying in the shed that everyone's equal when they walk in the door. You leave your ego at the door and your past at the door. David Fallick has a question. Yes, there's a mentoring factor here, David, isn't there? Yes. Uh, you, some of the older gentlemen who come to your shed and might have been there for a while, you, you also get younger people who are perhaps out of work. Yes. So they're not all necessarily retirees because of their age, are they? No, no. The, the demographics of men's sheds is just as varied as the activities of men's sheds. Yeah, from 14 to in there. Yeah, I've seen a few blokes that are over 100 years old working in men's sheds. <laughs> um, so it, it is really broad there. But when we look at the um, data that we have, the average age actually works out to be 62 with most men in the sheds, which... Physically, I think in a real sense, it's much higher than that. It'll be really 70. It's just because a lot of the sheds do um, use mentoring programs, as you're saying, David, and that brings that average age down a lot lower. But the interesting thing is a lot of these where the sheds have been successful in this area, 
a lot of these youth mentoring programs aren't formalised. They're very informal. You, you, a lot of the blokes in the in the sheds would call them old school in the way they, you know, in their thought and their, their process and their beliefs. Yeah, Jeff Patchell has a question for you as well, David. G'day, David. Yeah, Jeff yeah, yeah, Jeff. How are you? Good, mate. Um, as you know, I've had quite a bit of exposure to the sheds over the years from mm-hmm. a media point of view. And um, I was just going to say one issue that sitting in the background is underemployment of men 50 plus. Mm. Yes. That um, if they're only working two or three days a week, um, they're almost embarrassed what do they do with the rest of their time. They and can't I think, all work at Bunnings. That's, that's right. <laughs> but but they, can, um, you know, they can find a home certainly down Absolutely. at men's sheds and... Um, it starts building that network for them in the future too. David, how can people find uh, their local uh, men's shed? Because I'm sure there's a lot of wives who would just adore their husbands to get out of uh, their house and go and play with the shed. Oh, they, they do. And look, 1,087 men's sheds wow. uh, operating around Australia now. And you look, as I always like to say, to put that into perspective, um, there's about 90-odd more men's sheds in Australia now than there are McDonald's restaurants. Excellent. So we keep a very comprehensive database of the contact details for each men's shed around, around the country, so all they've got to do is jump on our website or give our number a call and we'll put them in touch with the nearest men's shed. And quite often it is a partner or spouse um, calling on behalf of the men. It does suggest um, <laughs> Yes, and yeah, they're ringing us. The phone constantly is, I need to get that into a men's shed. Where well, look, look so many of us blokes just love to go and have a, you know, play in the shed and all the rest of it. And this is a place to not only interact with other people, but also do something very constructive. So it's mensshed.org. That'll certainly be put up on our Life Choices website, Kay. Sure. It'll be put up with information about David and, um, yeah, we'll see if we can link to the starting points about um, getting involved and feeling comfortable to turn up, basically. Thank you for giving up your time today, uh, David Helmers. We do appreciate it. The Executive Officer of Men's Shed Association. Check out the website. It's on our Your Life Choices website, uh, menshed.org, and it really is a great place to be. Have a good day, David, and more power to you. Bye-bye now. Bye. Hello there. I'd like to talk to you about Your Life Choices Pension Checker. Now, Pension Checker is an easy-to-use financial tool that allows you to calculate exactly how much you should be receiving in fortnightly pensions and supplements. And it's very well-priced at just $29.95 per year. To learn more, go to pensionchecker.com.au and make today the day you take control of your income with your life choices, Pension Checker. Welcome back to uh, Your Life Choices podcast, Mind Your Own Retirement and Talking Health Now. We have a very special guest now, Dr. Ross Snow, who has been a consultant urologist in Melbourne for more than 30 years, a strong in, uh, interest in all aspects of prostate cancer, and is actively contributed to an ongoing debate surrounding the screening and management of this condition. Uh, Dr. Snow, a very uh, good afternoon to you, sir. Thank you. Nice to be with you, as the politicians say. Now, we're talking about erectile dysfunction specifically. Uh, tell me, Ed, seriously about erectile dysfunction and uh, the, the, uh, the aspects of uh, us growing older and wishing to continue to have a physical relationship. Well, 
I guess the first thing to say is that with increasing age, unfortunately, uh, erections can and do deteriorate, and that can be a normal, healthy men who don't really have any other significant issues. Uh, and uh, drugs such as Viagra uh, can really help uh, in that regard. The other point that's really important is that uh, Whereas uh, erections can deteriorate in normal, healthy guys, uh, erectile dysfunction occurs at an earlier age or when it's unexpected, uh, then it can be a little sign that there's something else going on in the body because to get erections, you need a good blood inflow. And sometimes if a man's a diabetic or if he has cardiovascular disease, that is heart trouble or something to do with the vascular tree, then it can manifest as erectile dysfunction. So a man with erectile dysfunction probably should get it checked out just to make sure that his general health and well-being is all okay. Uh, but then again, uh, to, if he wants help in that regard, well, help is available. So the Australian Urology Associates, um, you not only are looking after what's happening with the waterworks, but there's many other things as well. We are a, a group of um, urologists. Urologists are basically surgeons who look after the urinary tract, uh, kidneys, bladders, prostates, and the bits that hang off at the end. And so we do see men with erectile dysfunction who might present with that condition, or they might have erectile dysfunction because they've had some other problem, such as prostate cancer that's been treated, and that uh, that might be successful treatment, but it can lead to problems with erection. So we do see a lot of men uh, with erectile dysfunction. So urologists are the group of doctors uh, who would be the specialists for this condition. There are other doctors, endocrinologists, hormonal specialists who look after this condition. And then there are a lot of GPs who have sort of trained themselves up to be familiar with this condition and be able to help. So there, there is a lot of help out there. A quick question here, Dr. Ross. Yeah. How common is erectile dysfunction with men, say, aged 55 plus? Is there some kind of percentage so we can understand, um, you know? She likes her statistics, this lady. I do. She, she loves her I stats. I do. I like context. <laughs> That's a really uh, hard question to answer, but um, I would say if we say change the bar to 60 plus, um, I would say that probably 30 to 40% of men would not have severe erectile dysfunction, but they would be saying the erections aren't what they used to be. They're not as hard as they used to be, or more importantly, they don't seem to last as long as they used to, and that can interfere with uh, sexual activity. Ross, I'm very, very much involved in the prostate cancer uh, research. Uh, personally, I do a lot of uh, the, the big blokes barbecues you may or may not have heard of around the country yep, yep. and uh, lots have. of money raised and we just think it's sensational. So um, I'd just like to get a plug-in, please, for uh, men being checked for prostate issues. I think that when these days men should sort of consult their GP, even if it's just for a general check once a year. Yep. And that check would include um, probably cholesterol, blood pressure, all the usual things. But it 
should also include maybe a few questions. How are your waterworks? A blood test for the prostate um, and uh, possibly also an examination of the prostate, which is a, a rectal exam. And that should be done once a man hits 50. If there is a family history of prostate cancer, uh, so dad had prostate cancer you know, 60 or thereabouts, then we would recommend that men a bit younger than 50 start to get checked. But that's if your dad's had the condition. Men, your family needs you, so please do get it checked. Hey, uh, Dave, David Fallick has a question. Dr Ross, um, we've talked a lot about the checking and the testing. I'm curious to know what are the prospects of um, cure is perhaps not the right word, but... Um, management. Management, thank you. Well, the philosophy is these days that we're better at finding prostate cancer now that we used to be because we've got blood tests, we've got magnetic resonance scans and biopsies, things that we didn't previously have available to us. And prostate cancer is kind of a spectrum from uh, a condition that can sit there minding its own business and not being a major threat to that man through to being very lethal. So the idea is at the appropriate age, get checked and then we can define is there malignancy there, yes or no, and we can get a, an idea as to how aggressive it's likely to be for that particular man. Thereafter, we would recommend treatment. Now, that treatment might be an operation to remove the prostate. It might be radiation therapy. And sometimes it might be, you know what, we're just going to watch you carefully. Yeah, yeah. You don't need treatment at this point in time. Uh, but if we saw evidence of progression in the years to come, we're ahead of the game. So prostate cancer doesn't need uh, immediate treatment for everyone. But if we find localized prostate cancer, that is, it's only in the prostate, it's nowhere else. And it's what we would call intermediate to higher risk which is something we decide by looking down the microscope uh, at the cells of the prostate, then we would recommend treatment. And that treatment uh, does seem to be effective in curing the disease. We don't cure everyone, but we cure a lot. Ross, thank you for giving up your time. The bottom line, I guess, is, guys, if you have any issues when it comes to your bodies, no matter what part of it happens to be, uh, please go see your local GP. Be honest, be open, tell them how it is, and uh, you will get a very sympathetic response and um, there is help available. Correct, uh, Ross? Couldn't have said it better. Thank you, Dr. Ross. I think you've um, helped to give us a lot of information. We'll put this up on the website and we can obviously refer people on to the key organisations. And uh, that was a very interesting chat with uh, with Ross Snow, wasn't it? Fantastic guy. Well, I thought we had some great chats yeah. with blokes this morning. It's been a bit of a bloke day, hasn't it? I think it's important that men are heard. Well, we're 50% of the population, though we're declining, I think. Because <laughs> I go and talk to, to groups of um, uh, in the Probus clubs and uh, there's always... Too far many women. A lot of women. But the men have got all the money. And the power. A lot of the men fall off the perch earlier. <laughs> well, they should. And then the girls, the girls have got the money. 
Here's my home number if you need to call. No. No, no. We're not doing personal ads, John. No, and, but we're, you do have a nugget to leave us with. I have a nugget because we've been talking to blokes. Mm-hmm. I decided to Google who are smarter, men or women. Women. And the answer is, in in general testing, the G factor, which is general intelligence, men do seem to come up higher in that testing mm. uh, and spatial ability, et cetera, mathematics, et cetera. However, However, the perspective is that women have been for so long underrepresented in certain types of education and the tests are set up for yeah. a man's brain. So the jury is out, but women's brains are smaller and lighter. Sigmund Freud felt that women were less morally developed and <laughs> morally developed. Uh, and, and were, what does that mean? Uh, were more inf- now, come on, what does I that mean? I don't know. Morally developed. Uh, were less morally developed. Sorry, we're padding. Uh, and <laughs> unlike men, were more influenced by feeling than rational thought. I think Sigmund should just yeah. I'll tell you, <laughs> I mean like with my partner. Um, I'm sort of like, right, we're going to do A, B and C. What do you think? And she goes, well, why don't we do uh, A, B, C and, and D and mm-hmm. think about that? I go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then between the two, like you and David, your it's, husband. It's a team. It, it's a team and yeah. you're not right, he's not right, but no. somewhere in the middle is right. No, I, I think the nuances, I mean, because we're uh, coming up to Valentine's Day, I say long live the differences. Hear, hear. Viva la différence. <laughs> we can't keep talking because we'll be padding otherwise, so we better go. Au revoir. We'll see you next time, folks. It's uh, Your Life Choices website. If you're not on it, then you should be. If your friends aren't, then they should be. It's free to become a member. And there is such a wonderful range of information on the Your Life Choices website. We'll see you next time for our podcast, Mind Your Own Retirement. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.